you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome to NFL Total Access, the locker room. I'm Michael Robinson alongside Mike Garofolo. What's going on, Jesus? You know, hobnobbing with the stars, hanging out, doing the L.A. thing. Doing the L.A. thing, man. I'm loving it, man. We're on Radio Row. Okay, looking at all the stars passes by and all those things, man. How has your how has Super Bowl week been for you? It's been great. Uh, you know, I, I came out here and uh, you know, Jess didn't make it. My wife stayed home. Oh, man. Uh, she's she's it's actually gonna be sixty in Jersey on Saturday. But at the time I called her, it was <laughs> it was very chilly, and I complained that it was going to be too hot. Oh, out here man. this week a heat advisory and uh she said are you kidding me right now and i was like no 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 i just i packed because i packed the wardrobe thinking it was gonna be mid 70s then i saw high 80s i said i'm just you know, i'm not complaining about the heat uh, I, I just all right i'm gonna stop yeah now. you I need keep, to shut up i Jeezy. keep going yeah. deeper on this one so it's all good so look man let's start this thing off man let's talk about the big hot story in the league right now man Roger Goodell had uh, his press conference, his annual press conference during Super Bowl week, and he talked about a lot of Brian Flores' accusations and what's going on with the lack of diversity amongst head coaches, amongst basically the leadership in the National Football League. Um, I thought he did a little dancing, a little dance, a little tap dancing around some questions. I thought some people at our NFL media group did an excellent job. You talk about uh, MJ Ocosta. You talk about um, uh, Jim Trotter, uh, 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 Steve Weiss. All did a great job asking questions, holding um, our commissioner accountable, man. Just your thoughts, man, on the whole situation. Look, I, and, and I think that Jim acknowledged this in his question. Yeah. It's a little misdirected, right? Because that, yes. the question is not really toward Roger Goodell. It's for the people that he works for. Now, that being said, he's front and center. Uh, he certainly is involved in league policy, yeah. but it's not policy that's the problem. The problem is a micro problem that's mm-hmm. tough to address because the macro problem is there. Yeah, you look at it, yeah. you say, okay, look at the um, uh, demographics of our head coaches. Mm-hmm. Put them up because, and we've seen it—the the headshots, right? Because yep. that's the best way to look at it. See the headshots, and you say that's not the same demographics as in our locker rooms. Nope. Uh, which 
this is the Total Access Locker Room Podcast, so Keep this real. is the perspective of the locker room toward what they're seeing on the head coaching level. So you can do all you can, all you want to do with regard to putting people in the position to impress, to get these jobs, mm-hmm. which is what the NFL has done through the Rooney Rule. And the Rooney Rule is a good thing in and of itself. Really? But, it, but it's not enough. But, Jeezy, to me, the fact that you even have to have it is insulting to me as a black man. I'm not going to lie to you. The fact that I know that the stars of this league, it's been made off the backs of people that look like me, yet yet you have to put a rule in just to get representation amongst leadership. To, to me, the fact that you have to mandate that yep. is BS. Well, let me, so let me rephrase. It, it's a good thing, and it was a good uh, concept and a good-intentioned thing that led to Mike Tomlin – Getting a, a job. I mean, that was that was part yeah, of it, right? That's was why that, he got the opportunity right. to get. And um, so the thought was that this is going to grow over the years. Number one, mm-hmm. and number two, you won't need it in the future, right? The thought was you won't need it because this is the step toward creating these opportunities, and then we won't have to insult Mike Rob, mm-hmm. and we won't have to insult folks. 20 years down the road because we'll have already gotten to where we think we need to go when this thing was established. But history tells us that doesn't happen. We haven't gotten there. And <laughs> we, we haven't gotten there. And, and, and the reason is, I go back to it, a micro thing. And by that I mean you could sit there and say, well, we've got to be better as a, as a whole, as a league. But it still mm-hmm. comes down to each individual, individual team, team and each individual owner making the decision. And there's no question in my mind. How do we get owners to get to know black people and black culture better? Because that's what it comes down to, Jeezy. It comes down to human things, the human interaction, the fact that an owner wants to feel comfortable calling somebody that he feels comfortable talking to. To me, that's what it comes down to. And I don't think we should be incentivizing teams. I don't think we should be doing anything to force, it's a capitalistic society, to force a company to hire somebody that they wouldn't do it organically. I don't think we should do that. But I do think we should create more opportunity for black ownership because I think then we wouldn't need the Rooney Rule. Yeah, and that's going to be the change that you're going to need um, to, to start making things happen because those folks will hire folks that they that, are comfortable yes. with. That they can, there's no question that over the years, a number of minority and black coaches have mm-hmm. walked into interviews and communicated things in a way that was foreign to the people yes. making the decision. And that made them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm really not trying to say it made them uncomfortable like, ooh, white no, guy scared you. a black guy. I'm <laughs> no. just saying it made them they uncomfortable. Just didn't know what they, were, they just didn't know what they didn't understand it. Because they're used to communicating to people in a certain way. And a lot of these uh, owners came up through the business world where people communicate a certain way that is not like any coach yeah, communicates. True. So I think a lot of cases you've got owners making decisions on guys who are going to communicate a certain way that they're not used to in the first place. Mm-hmm. So now you add maybe somebody who's uh, communicating in a different way on top of that mm-hmm. as, an, as a regular human being on top of communicating like a coach. Yeah. And now you got somebody who says, eh, eh, I'm not feeling it because it's foreign to them in a lot of ways. Okay. And I'm not trying to create a blanket statement. I happen to think that Brian Flores picked mm-hmm. the wrong entry point for this one because I don't think really? the Giants – Played them funny. There have been sham interviews over the years, and there have been sham processes over the years. The Giants was not a sham process. Well, okay, well, maybe he maybe no. he said the wrong team, but it does but, happen, but right? That's, but that's the problem, Mike Rob, because that's when you get to how do you prove 
that the white guy over here was hired over the black guy over there because of he was white and because that guy was. You can't. You can't prove it. And frankly, the person making the decision might not consciously be saying that. Or in the case of the Giants, I, I ownership. John Mara, Tim mm-hmm. McDonald, who is John Mara's nephew, yeah. uh, who is in a prominent position with the Giants, I know for a fact, loved Brian Flores. And it came out in the text when he told him, get in yeah. here and win this job. They wanted him. And they felt strongly about him at the beginning of the process. But the fact of the matter is, they turned it over. And when they let, when Dave Gettleman retired, they made it clear that the new general manager, after they fired would, Joe Judge, would, as hire, well, the coach. would yeah. hire the coach. So when you hired the guy from Buffalo, who for years now has been saying, hey, when I get a job, that's my head coach right there, the guy I've been working with. So you think yes. Flores would have had that job? He, I think that was his job to lose pretty much, and he lost it. He lost it through no fault of his own and, and through ownership. And I'm not saying that ownership didn't want Brian Dable. Mm-hmm. They were definitely impressed with him throughout the process, and they were impressed by how much Joe Shane felt passionately about him. So, again – this is you can start to go in situation by situation by situation by situation in each situation you can say well here's why it happened yeah and it still comes down to even if you're going to try to incentivize owners and I, I know you do don't that. like that no. it it <clears throat> makes it hard to say how do we change the thought process behind ownership to make these things happen that's what's so difficult about this whole thing yeah and and honestly Jeezy, you can call me cynic uh, and I was talking to some prominent NFL guys about this that are current players in the league right now, prominent guys. I can't say their name because they probably don't want to, to, to stand behind this, but they don't see it changing. They just don't because – and one guy said to me, Mike, well, why? Revenue's up. <laughs> People are watching it. People are addicted to football. It's a drug. Let's be honest. Not in a bad way, but let's just be honest. People are addicted to our game. And – from a diversity standpoint, from a representation standpoint of what most of the league looks like, we're going backwards. So if it's not affecting the bottom line, which most of these owners definitely understand that, Mm -hmm. what would incentivize them to change? I mean, we can have all the public pressure we want. We all know that the communities that that, uh, I come from, people that look like me come from, we're scratching, clawing, fighting to get to the National Football League because we look at that as our only way out. So it's not like we're going to have a lack of participants. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So – Call me the cynic, man. I don't see it changing ever. Here's where, here's what it'll change. ever. You want you want to know where where it's going to change, and I think it will. And I think it's 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 starting and available to change. It just hasn't happened yet with regard to Byron Leftwich, um, Eric Bieniemy too as well. Yeah. But but Byron Leftwich, you were part of a generation where the schemes started to change, yes. and people were more open minded toward who's going to play quarterback. Absolutely. Okay? And so the owners. Jeffrey Lurie is one of them, okay, who is adamant in Philadelphia he's hiring offensive head coaches. No matter what, I'm going to hire an offensive head coach, which I think is ridiculous yeah. as, a, as an owner to <laughs> have that. You can't just say that, man. Who? Why, yeah, why would he say that? Why is it is all about offense for him? He's, he's, I, he, I, I know it's been flat out said that, yeah, I want to <laughs> hire an offensive coach because that's the way that he thinks you win in this league mm-hmm. is you have a guy who can develop a quarterback and develop an offense. And I understand the thought process. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to break it down and knock it down in a second. But – just here's my point. So a lot of these guys, if that's the pool that they're pulling from, yeah, they're pulling from offensive coordinators who were, in most cases, former quarterbacks coaches, coaches, who in most cases were former quarterbacks, who in most cases played in the 90s. Uh, so you're saying the process before. has started already. I, I do. I believe so. I okay. believe so. And I believe that the guy I'm sitting across from right now who played quarterback in college would make a terrific coach 
executive in the league, Mike Rob, because I know you would. Yeah. Okay. And so now you're getting to the point in the age where these guys that are coming up played the position mm-hmm. and are going to be allowed to coach. Uh, allowed. I hate, I'm sorry. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah they're they're going to be looked to, yeah. to coach the position. And so I think that part of it is coming. But that doesn't excuse a number of things, which number one is Byron Left, which was available for anybody to hire this year, and he wasn't hired. <laughs> Eric Bieniemy is an offensive coordinator. <laughs> and he, he was wasn't hired. And he man. wasn't hired, which. Pep I, Hamilton, who is a genius. I, mean, I, I, yes. I had that guy in San Francisco. Yes. He's a Th- genius. Those guys are there to be hired, okay? And 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 I can't explain those situations. Mm-hmm. In, but I will say the majority of the offensive coordinators and the guys that are, you, you know the demographics yeah. of that yeah. position. Now, here's why it's stupid to, as an owner, say, well, I only want a offensive mm-hmm. guy or whatever. Okay, because there are terrific head coaches in this league who have been head coaches for decades. Yeah. Who are defensive coaches. Pete Carroll, mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin, mm-hmm. Bill Belichick. Okay. And very successful. <laughs> and as I've heard defensive coordinators over the last couple of years as they've interviewed for jobs, explain to owners in, in uh, interviews, you should be open to the idea of, because they're afraid of, if I, if I hire a defensive coach, I'm going to lose any good coordinator because he's going to go become a head coach. Those guys say, well, you know what? It's not a bad thing to change your offensive identity and your offensive thinking every couple of years anyway. So embrace it and bring in a guy who is going to be a head coach, who is going to run a program, oh. who is going to run the building the way that you a should. A CEO. I, I wish if I – oh, my goodness. If I was an owner, <laughs> if I – look through these couch cushions we got over <laughs> You find $5 billion over there. I'll go buy a team, okay? And I'm going to hire some of the best head coaches and some of the best executives because – Teams aren't looking at the defensive coaches. They're not looking at the special teams coaches because I know what a head coach should be having covered this league. And to just pull the next offensive guy that you can find because he's going to call good plays and develop good schemes, I think it's a huge mistake. That's a mistake. And and one other thing that I'm starting to see, Jeezy, players are paying attention, man. Players in locker rooms now are starting to have a little bit more of a voice. They're starting to, you know, want to have some say in the next head coach. They're starting to say, hey, why – why, why isn't it a former player? Why isn't it a guy that looked like me? Why, guys are really starting to have this conversation in locker rooms, and it, it just makes you wonder, do the players have to make a bigger statement to get more representation? What's the statement? I don't know, man. I don't know. I I, I, I heard before the 2005 – not 2005. Yeah, the, the, the Super Bowl with the um, – with the uh, Steelers and Packers, which one was that? Oh nine uh, after the oh nine, I forget which Super Bowl the that 20, was. Yeah, yeah, it was the no, it was the, it was the twenty ten season. Yeah, so yeah, January and, or February twenty eleven. And guys were supposed to get together and do something before and Even not speak then. to the media and have a you know be be solidified as one player's voice. Didn't happen. No, you know, so shame. guys are talking about it. That's all I'm saying, and something has to change. I don't know if it will, Jeezy. I, I, I don't think there's going to be any great change. I'll be curious to see what the league is going to do because for Goodell to say that they're going to address the Rooney rule, or excuse me, they're, they're going to consider changes. When he says that, it means it's it already means, happened. Yeah. Okay, so it's coming down the line. But the question is, I just don't know what more you can do to get to the point where an owner is making the call on who his coach is going to be and do something to change his mind. And, and you're right. I mean, it should never be to the point where you f- force him to have no, to make that you, decision. No, you can't do that, man. You force a guy to do something, man. That's when, I don't know, that's when you get the worst version of him. So. All right. So if you look at these head coaching hirings yep. um, on the whole, putting the uh, hot button issues aside and just look at it from a football standpoint, um, which one do you look at and say, hey, that was a good hire, it's got a – good chance of being successful i like the thought process 
I mm. like what he's going to mean for quarterback defense, whatever. Which one are you looking at saying, I've got – that's my guy to be the best, what's, uh, the most the, successful. What's the what's the kid that uh, – and I call him a kid. He's probably older than me. But the, uh, what's it, Mike uh, – Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel. I actually like that hire, man. You know, um, and not because he's a minority hire, <laughs> but uh, I, I like the hire because he's a run game guy. He's a run guy, meaning he understands how to manipulate the defense. You hear me talk about it on Good Morning Football Weekend all the time about manipulating the underneath coverage being explosive in the pass game off play action, to me, he's going to help Tua in a big way. He's going to help Tua understand what he's seeing uh, pre-snap, understand how to manipulate the defense so that post-snap he knows exactly what he's looking at, and I think he's going to be able to push the ball downfield. I think they need a run game out there in Miami. They need a run game. They need something to help Tua out because him dropping back 35 to 40 times, Jeezy, that that won't work. I think uh, you don't get the best version of Tua in that type of an offense. That's why I like to hire Mike McDaniel. Um, I remember talking about him and, and, and talking to somebody who knew him well, who said, you know, all the guy does is um, all year long, 365 days of the year. Uh, think about football. Right. Okay. And he's drawing up schemes. And that's why their offense is so dangerous, because he's thinking about in mid-May a way to really take it to a defense and hit some of these home run plays. And that's why they've had a lot of big plays over the years because of him and Kyle kind of coming together. Here's what I worry about. And this goes yep. back to our previous conversation, which is don't just hire a great offensive mind because he's not going to have all that time now mm -hmm. to just sit there and scheme up things. He's going to have to think about, okay, how do we want to schedule our practices during training camp? Yep. How do we want to do this? What about the defensive side of the ball that he's yep. never had to think about? <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that I, you have no idea until you see a guy in that role. Is he going to melt under the conditions? Mike McDaniel seems like he's a really good communicator. He was very impressive at his press conferences uh, leading up to his hiring as well as his uh, press conference to announce his hiring. Um, looks like he's going to be a, a, a guy that can communicate to the – Mike Jones from USA Today asked Mike, Mike McDaniel. There you go, right. <laughs> so now, now here's what's funny. It came up with Mike Jones when he asked Lamar Jackson a question a while ago, right? Uh -huh. And they played the clip. They're like, hey, Lamar, here's a question from Mike Jones from USA Today. And <laughs> Lamar starts laughing. Yeah. And I'm like, what is Lamar laughing at? I have I, no idea. Because I don't know. You didn't know? You didn't, you didn't catch no, it? I, no idea, okay? No idea. Oh, my goodness. But this Jesus is what man. I like. The players are going to know. So when Mike McDaniel make, makes references um, to those kinds of things yeah. – and they hit, and they hit home with these guys. <laughs> Maybe. See, now we're going back to our yeah. previous conversation. I can't get away from it. Not that I'm trying to. It's but, the know. biggest elephant in every room well, we but, walk but, in, but, man. But, but hold on. Time out. Maybe if Mike McDaniel is successful and people see this, and it's an example for, hey, sometimes if you get a guy that knows the culture of the players and how to relate to the players, that, you know what, because – there's different ways. Andy Reid doesn't know any of this stuff either. Andy Reid's a hell of a that's football true. coach and that's has been true. for years. So this is not to say that that's the only way to get it done. But you know what? If owners can sit there and say, hey, I don't know how he's communicating to me. I don't understand this stuff. But I don't have to understand this stuff. The players have to understand this stuff. Maybe that's that'll true. change things. That's Maybe true. that'll be the catalyst for change uh, in the NFL. Um, I, I would say, going back to the Giants, um, I think Dable is going to be a good hire, and Dable is going to be successful because it's good structure, and they haven't had good structure. They've got a coach. Daniel Jones, Jeezy, 
Are you kidding me? He's just had Josh Allen for the last three, four years, and now he's going to Daniel Jones. Yes. Okay. Daniel son, Daniel Jones. Okay. You know he's a turnover machine. Do he we wasn't know that? that? He Do we know that, anything? He, he wasn't that great. He wasn't turning over the ball that much this year. But have we? Okay. Have you seen the game where Daniel Jones just said, "You know what? Get on my back. We're gonna win the game based off of me." You're, you're, I, one of the things I said coming into this season, <laughs> when I said, "What do we need to see from Daniel Jones?" We need to say a get on my back game. We've never seen it. We, we saw it one time. It was that the running, first game. All that running he did that time. No, it oh, was okay. in Tampa. Oh, years ago. The fr- I think it was the first game he started, or maybe he uh, replaced yeah. Eli halfway through. I can't remember I know what, you're talking what about. it was. He led a comeback. They were down like 20-something points at halftime, whatever it was, and he leads the comeback. And I, after that game, I went, oh, oh, that's why they drafted him sixth overall. There no. it is. This guy, what do you mean no? No. Why can't we haven't seen it again? That's Why can't we I'm haven't saying. went back to the moon? That, so All of that. It's it's oh, a God. sham. You are going okay. elsewhere with that one. <laughs> you are going elsewhere with that one. Um <laughs> Why? But that's what I said coming into the season. That's what I want to see from Daniel Jones, and we didn't see it. But here's the problem. I don't know if that's because Daniel Jones hasn't had an offensive line. Daniel Jones hasn't had a head coach that can take advantage. When you're of what he picked does. six overall, Jeezy, you gotta be, you gotta overcome some of that stuff, bro. Now here's the challenge for Brian Dayball, though, because they got pass happy in Buffalo. Yes, these, these the last year or so, or whatever it is. And they, they kind of got away from their identity that they wanted to establish, which was mm-hmm. pound the rock and then throw off of that because they got a guy that could sling it and they felt good about him. You, you're now, if you're going to make Daniel Jones successful, you're going to have to go to that identity that you had before. You, you, you better not it. be having him throw it the way that jo- uh, uh, Josh Allen was throwing it and try to set it up that way because uh, that's going to be a huge mistake. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. 
Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Maybe maybe they can throw like Chad Pennington. Maybe they can throw. Maybe like they can Pennington. throw like Chad Pennington. He's our guest. He's in here. Chad, what's up, big dog? <laughs> you don't want to be throwing like me right now. I'm just telling you, boss. <laughs> what's going on, Chad? Hey, Jeezy, uh, you know Chad. Of Pennington, course, I know Chad. Uh, but he, we sit on a uh, the Legends High School and Youth Advisory Committee. We're charged with writing the football curriculum for the next generation of football players. Uh, Chad, welcome to the show, man. Before we get started, we start every show. With a locker room story. Well, I'll take you back to my rookie year. Uh, New York Jets, Hempstead, New York, uh, on the campus of Hofstra University. Rookie year, Al Groves, our coach, and we are going to getting ready to do our conditioning test the day before training camp really starts. And, you know, especially back in that time, uh, half our team's over 30 years old. That's the difference in the league now compared to 2000. And so had a lot of great veterans on there. Vinny Testaverde, Wayne Krebeck, Curtis Martin, uh, Mo Lewis. Uh, and you've got Brian Cox yeah. <laughs> on there, okay? Like where this uh, is going. <laughs> yep, already. <laughs> so Kevin Mawai uh, had already made Coach Grow mad because Coach Grow wanted to run with us. It was his first year. He's going to show us he was in what? with the team. And the vets just weren't having that. <laughs> They weren't having it, so Coach was a little bit mad anyway. So here we are walking down from the uh, complex, the facility building, to the, the old bubble that they had created right there for us, about a little 70-yard indoor deal. We're going to run our uh, conditioning test, three 300-yard shuttles. That means 50 and back three times. Oh, it's a bad. bear. It's a bear, though. You know, that second one, if you're not in yeah. shape, that monkey We had 10 of them back. in college. We had to do 10 of them. 10 shuttle. 300s or? 10 300. Oh, Lord, mercy. That, <laughs> yeah, I would have made that. He started sweating with just thinking about this. <laughs> that's, that's hard. That's hard because this is hard enough. So I just remember walking um, down toward the bubble, and, and Brian Cox and Mo Lewis are in front of me, and I'm this just bright rookie. We had four first-round draft picks. We're excited. Anthony Beck, John Abraham, Sean Ellis, we're all excited. And I just remember Brian Cox being about yeah, five, six steps in front of me. He says, Ooh, I can't wait to get my hands on some food tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, he plays defense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a quarterback. That's not good for the home team over here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I was like, man, my eyes were wide open after that. And of course, that was, the, you know, I remember Coach Grow first day at camp, he pulled us up after practice and said, listen, if you're looking for any light at the end of the tunnel, there is none. <laughs> seven, straight, seven straight weeks or two a days. <laughs> Start grinding. <laughs> that was it. Wow. <laughs> There's just, no lie. It's just amazing what training camp used to be, what training camp oh. is now. Uh, I, when you look at these guys now and, 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 and how much they've lightened it and made it more mental and there's a ramp-up period and all that stuff, how many f former players you hear say, man, I wish it was like that when we were playing? Oh, all of us say we'd get two, three, four more years in of course. with this schedule, <laughs> of right? Of course. I mean, it's – Of uh, course. But it just shows you really how you can truly push your body. Um and, and to watch us go through that, and that was back with the three days too. We'd have you know three or four days of three days, yeah. you know, three practices a day. And I played special teams, so it was always three days for and me. And that was man. straight banging, yeah. right? I mean, this, <laughs> you know, else. Uh, so it's it's definitely a different environment. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, uh, the great one who used to be in New England, who finished up in Tampa Bay, Tom Brady. He just finished up, man. You 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 competed against him for years. 
in the AFC East. Just just talk about the guy, man, and, and kind of what he meant to the sport and to the position because I don't know if we're ever going to see that that level of excellence for so long ever again. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, I think uh, what we witnessed is um, – and, and you see this as you're playing when you're young, your body's right. But mentally and experience-wise, you're not there yet. And so as a pro, it, it's a, it goes in reverse. As your body declines, your mental in, uh, inclines, essentially. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to find that sweet spot to where it's all working together. He found that. Yeah. That's why he was playing for that long of a time, because he found it. And he was trying to hold on to it. He was mentally just locked in physically locked in he had caught lightning in a bottle yeah. so to speak yeah. where most of us can't uh and so that was what was really special for me to watch him play because it was just a different quarterbacking at a different level mm. it was just a different level um and so i, I think uh, also had an inside look one of my best friends is byron leftwich okay. and so i got a chance to talk with him ever ever so often and, and i asked him i said you know what is it about tom and he said chad he said one the dude loves football. Yeah. He loves it. <laughs> and, you know, you can see it as as a vet, you can get to a point where you no longer love it anymore, yeah. right? It's time to walk away. He loves it. And so that was impressive. And then, too, I thought it was really neat to hear Byron say he never complicates his thought process. Whatever the play calls for, that's how he's going to execute it. And I think that's a challenge for a lot of veterans as they yeah. get older and gain experience. They try to make the play more than what it is. Uh, and he's able to, where he would really focus on, Byron would say is, okay, how can I make a better throw on that mm -hmm. read? How can I have better ball placement? How can I do the little nuances? But mentally, I'm going to stay sharp and simple with my thought process. And I thought that was really interesting to hear that. Wow. 02 with the Jets, 08 with the Dolphins. You were the only one that slayed the dragon in the AFC East during the Tom Brady era. And I know he didn't play in 08. He was, I mean, you remember that season where he's down and you go, whoo, finally, we get a break. But, but, they, but they went, what, 11 and 11 5? And they, five. they still wouldn't go away, right? Right, right, yeah. So I, I, just year after year, knowing that to win our division, we're going to have to knock that guy off and that uh, coaching staff up in, in Foxborough. Right. Uh, how, how much did that weigh on you guys mentally every single year? Well, I mean, you, you, you said it, it, slay the dragon, and the first thing you have to do is you had to slay the dragon in your mind uh, before you even went to uh, play them. I remember in 08 when Tom went down, and we're 0-2 actually. Uh, we're struggling. We, uh, Kurt and the Cardinals just beat the brakes off of us. We can't run the ball at all. And that's where we developed the Wildcat that mm -hmm. week with David Lee. And, and I remember the, that Wednesday <laughs> practice just being really, really tense. And we had a team meeting, and I just told him, I said, Let, they lost Tom. Yeah. <laughs> That's a plus. <laughs> but number two, we, we've got to go up, up there expecting to win. That's half the battle. We're so tight. We can't even practice. We were so tight and so worried about it. And so after that, Thursday and Friday's practice was much smoother, a little bit of confidence. We felt like we kind of had a little bit of a spark and an X factor that they wouldn't know about, which I will say that's the only time I ever played against Vrabel, Brewski, Harrison, those guys, where it was completely silent when they saw the Wildcat. They had no, they didn't, no they answer. They know how to answer it, yeah. They always have an answer. Yeah. Right? may not be the right one, but they're talking, they're communicating, they're getting yeah. no – So they were dead, just like <laughs> – Dead silent. Dead silent. It was wild. Um, and so it was, it was kind of neat to be a part of that. That was a league-changing week and game. Was that stuff in during training camp? Did they do it? Like when you first heard it, 
did you think what are we doing here or did you think oh this is gonna be this is gonna be great it really wasn't in training camp it was it was built out of necessity we were like how are we going to create just a little bit of space to run the football and we actually although everyone tried to mimic it we had the perfect duo to do it Ronnie Brown was our wildcat quarterback his running style was very patient yep. stuttering the hole kind of let it develop Ricky Williams was our jet sweep man. He yep. was downhill, bowling ball full of butcher knives, right? Mm -hmm. And so it worked perfectly. And you would see other teams trying to mimic it, but they didn't have. And then here Ronnie is left-handed. We're running mm -hmm. bootlegs mm -hmm. left-handed. He's throwing darts left-handed. Uh, so we developed a whole little system. And it wasn't uh, – every, everyone thinks that's all we did. We ran that six times in that game. Now, we scored five times. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we only ran it, it six times. But it was enough yeah. to make opponents prepare for it every week and, and chad is crazy man and i'm gonna go back to something about byron uh leftwich that you were talking about earlier but it's crazy and in, in today's game that wildcat quarterback now is a real quarterback and he can throw he can do everything that quarterbacks can do and he has that movement ability as well but let me go back to that byron leftwich uh thing man like keep it real man like what's up what's up with our league right now this man should have been a head coach a long time ago i mean obviously he knows offense. Obviously, he's able to, you know, structure and put an offense together for the great one in Tom Brady. I mean, he coached him. It, what can be done to help African-American or black coaches, whatever you want to say, kind of get more opportunities, in your opinion? Well, I think it starts from the top down. It's kind of similar to this. I coach at a private school. We talk about diversity within our mm -hmm. school. And I always say, until our faculty is diverse, until our staffs are diverse, we can't expect the diversity like we want it, right? And so that's where it has to – I think it has to start at the top levels too, being able to bring in more diverse ownership, more diverse decision makers, uh, because this is still a relational business. It is still a subjective evaluation on who you want to be your head coach or your general manager, and so the only way that is built is through relationships. Uh, and you have to feel comfortable with those people you're working with. I know he's going to be a great head coach. I do. And the reason I know this is because he understands people. If you watch how he coached Tom and coached with Tom, he did a great job of understanding Tom first. It was not about the system. Mm, what does Tom man. do yeah. well? What makes Tom tick? And you could see that Tom had a lot of confidence in Byron. There was That's a lot the of, amazing yeah. part. Yeah. Because yeah, that did. guy's walking in with a lot of skins on the wall. And Byron's still a relatively young coach, a young coordinator. It's impressive that you could tell the respect that Brady had for him. Yes. And I think it's because Tom understood Byron could see it through his eyes. And when you have a coordinator like that, man, it is magic. Because he's playing the game through your eyes. And so, I mean, very rarely did you ever see Tom question or, it's like, yeah, come on, bring it. Yeah. So whatever you want, whatever you want to run a coach, we're running it, you know. And so that was really neat. And that's, that's his greatest strength. Um, and, you know, as he gets older in the business and learns how to, you know, do things um, certain ways just as far as speaking and all, that will all come. But he, he's got the secret sauce, and that is people and understanding people, Byron does, for sure. When, when, you, when you played, I want to go back to your career because – you know, we were in the era of big pocket passer, yeah. big arm, who can big fire arm. it in there. You had to touch pass down to a science. Why were you so effective with that? I, mean, I remember covering a game in Philly. You were playing in Philly. I think you won the game. And I'm in the press box, and we had a view kind of over the offense, and I see the ball go up in the air. And the time that it was up in the air, 
guys are making moves. And like, <laughs> how did you see into the future like that to be able to put that ball where it needed to be? Well, I think there's a difference. I always say there's a difference between throwing the football and passing the football. And throwing the football, you see the field in two dimensions. You see windows straight ahead. And passing the football, you see the field in three dimensions. You see pockets. You see holes coming open behind defenders. And that is, to me, that's the secret of becoming a great passer in this league is the anticipation because it, it's not just okay for, for your receiver to catch it. Let's let him catch it with a little bit of room around mm -hmm. him to make something happen. Well, that has to be done. You have to throw that ball early to do that mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the anticipation of the defense, the timing of the defense is so much faster. That everybody, Everyone talks about the speed of the game at the NFL level. I don't think it's the speed. I think it's the knowledge with the speed. The speed you get yeah. the same speed in college. Mm -hmm. They don't have the knowledge these guys have at this level. So that window closes much faster. They anticipate much better. And so now you have to anticipate as a quarterback. That was always a game to me. I wanted to see how early I could <laughs> get this dope. ball out of my hand and, and have a coach go, what what did you just do there? <laughs> That's right. You know what I mean? You know, well, I'm, I'm so glad you That's said awesome. that because here I am in the press box saying, what did he just do there? And you're getting the same reaction from the coaches. That's incredible. What would you say to them? <laughs> well, I remember I remember we were at the Jets, uh, 06. We had drafted Kellen Clemens from uh, uh, Oregon, and we're playing Minnesota. And we've got to go in and beat Minnesota to have a chance to go to the playoffs. We were a 6-6. Six and six. And they had a great defensive front. Uh, you couldn't run the football. We knew we'd have to throw it more than 40 times. And so we ran just an 18-yard in route to Lavernius Coles. Well, Lavernius and I had played long enough. We'd worked on enough to where sometimes that in route would become a, just a, a big, fat curl, <laughs> especially against Tampa, too. You sit there, yeah. So I drop back, play action, seven-step drop. Wheel linebacker, we hold him a little bit, and I just throw a, a lollipop. I mean, it was a lollipop. <laughs> it, had, it had no zip on Just a lollipop like this, and as LC comes out of it, it was like a curl route. He, he wasn't coming in at all. But he knew what, what, what was happening. And so Coach Schottenheimer and Brian, he said, uh, Kellen, you see this right here? He said, don't do that. You can't. <laughs> You're not ready for that yet. <laughs> well, you know what, I remember watching you, man, and you were one of the – because I played a lot of different positions, and you were one of – watching you throw, I truly started to understand the two parts to any throw, right? Yes, yeah, the quarterback throwing it. And if that nose is down – it's very difficult to catch sometimes depending on the receiver and what I'm doing. And you were one of the guys that I saw when that nose was up, you allowed the receiver to catch the ball. And again, like you talk about, do some things after the, after, after the catch. And that was something I totally always respected about your game. Another quarterback that kind of throws the ball, you know, at times like that, Ben Roethlisberger. What, what can, I mean, he's ending it this year as well. Another guy kind of from your era. What can you say about Big Ben? And what he's well, this game. you know, he, he was a guy that came in and um, he actually was one of those first guys, big guys, that played the quarterback position more like an athlete rather than just a quarterback, right? And he was okay with taking hits. He was okay with taking sacks because he believed in, in, in his ability to extend the play. And that's one of the first few quarterbacks that we first started talking about as far as extending a play. Yeah, yeah. Was Big and ben, made that right? a thing. Yeah. Made it a thing. And yeah. now we're looking for that in the evaluation process. Absolutely. And so he was able to extend the plays and, and do those things. And he was a perfect fit for Pittsburgh, especially as a young quarterback where they're playing tough defense, running mm -hmm. the football with the bus. He's going to make a 
couple plays with his legs, couple play action throws, and there they go, all this Super Bowl. And then as he got older, you could see him become more of a passer, become more of a quarterback, just mm -hmm. that evolution, right? And that's something I don't think we have enough patience with, especially at the quarterback position, is the evolution of the player within the position. Mm. Uh, we, we just can't we, – we're so quick to just try to nail him down with that's yep. who he is instead of allowing him to grow within a position as he gains more experience. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, Daniel we were having Jones, a passionate, man. passionate Don't get me started. debate about Daniel Jones here <laughs> before you walked up. But I want to talk about another Jets quarterback because the Jets are still looking for the quarterback to replace Chad yep. Pennington. Uh, and, and it is Zach Wilson right now who showed me a little bit down the stretch. I don't know how closely you watched it this year, uh, but I, I, I saw a little bit of a development for him down the stretch. What do you take out of his first year and what do you expect going forward? Well, I take that he was 21, <laughs> turning 22. I, that he blows my mind. <laughs> right. He He's going to play like a 21-year-old, <laughs> like he should. Um, and so when we try to place a billion-dollar organization on, on the back of a 21-year-old, Joe Burrow is what, 25? Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes that's a difference, true. right? Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's one. So patience. Now, I do think it used to be more of a, a three-to-five-year process. I don't think we have that much patience anymore, but I still think – we can gather, okay, can this dude really do it within three years? We can figure that out. Uh, for Zach, I think an interesting point, I was actually able to talk with Mike LaFleur's dad at the Pro Bowl. And, and we were just kind of talking just ball, and he's an old ball coach. And, and if you remember, Zach, when he was there at the beginning of the year, the oldest guy in his room was a third-year guy. Mm -hmm. There was no veteran Nobody. in that room at all. That. That is ludicrous to me, number one. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I remember walking in. I've got Vinny Testaverde. I've got Ray Lucas just in my room. Oh, my goodness. Never man. mind Curtis Martin yeah. and Wayne Corbett and all the other dudes outside of the quarterback room. Uh, so, you, you, I was able just to watch and learn. Well, he, he didn't have that. But there was a change in the development you're seeing. Joe Flacco came in. And so, Zach was able to watch Joe a little bit and see how to be a pro, see how to prepare. See, just you need all those different experiences so you can kind of gather who you're going to be as a pro. Not yeah. not looking at a second-year guy. That's he's true. still trying to figure now it out, the, too. Yeah, he don't know he what's going on. He not have any answers. No. What Which, about – Real quick, the Jets got killed for that trade. What did you get out of Joe Flacco? I think they gave up a six-round pick or something like that. Yeah, they should have signed him or whoever in the spring. I, I know some guys didn't want to go there, by the way. It was another thing. But regardless, they should have signed a veteran. So they had to give up the pick. But frankly, you're looking at it the wrong way. And, you, Chad, you just described it perfectly. You're looking at it the wrong way if you say, what did they get out of Flacco? If they got development out of Zach Wilson? Then you got all you needed. Hell of a worth a <laughs> six-round pick. You, you got all you needed out of him. Now I'm going to go down to South Beach, tour. Got a new new coach, uh, Mike McDaniel's. Right? Am I saying it right? McDaniel. Uh, McDaniel, no S. Um, out looking for 2022 for Tua, man. What do you expect? What's the next step for him? Um, I do think he gets unfairly criticized sometimes. Sure. Um, but yeah, just what's your outlook on Tua for 2022? Well, his number one goal is to stay healthy. Yeah, that's number one. Um, you don't push the reset button, but I don't think you can just believe that he's just going to ascend right to the top there's yeah. too much change right and so but he can have some positive change and 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 still improve uh it does seem like coach mcdaniel is, has a bright mind you know really understands offensive football so that should be exciting for Tua. Yeah. but it's going to be all about stability <laughs> that's what it is around the quarterback it is about stability in everything you do as an organization 
mm-hmm. uh, from the offense you run to the routine to how you teach uh, fundamentals and skills, all of those different things, it, it has to be about stability. We're, we're wanting our players to be stable when our organizations are not. not well, yeah. that doesn't go together. Right, that's so that true. that's 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 the biggest thing in my opinion. Before we get you out of here, uh, we want to get your thoughts on these quarterbacks in this game here on Sunday. Uh, let's let's go from uh, youngest to oldest and start with Joe Burrow. We're hearing the comparisons to a young Tom Brady, which is a hell of a burden to put on it. a young guy. I see it. You do see it. I do see it, man. Let's, I mean, just like and Chad, you know this, and I don't mean to dominate your question, Mike, no, but. How many times do we, and you said it earlier in the podcast, how many times do we see young quarterbacks try to get more out of a play than what the play is designed to do it? I don't see Joe Burrow do that unless it's needed at the end of a game, it's fourth down and he has to make a play. But Joe Burrow, if the defense calls for him to throw this five-yard play every single time, he throws it every time. That's a great point, and here, here I can back up your point by this. Oh, my gosh, he took nine sacks in the Tennessee game. or he had, There was nine sacks. So what? That may have been the best play at, at that time. time. Yes. Like, none of those sacks <laughs> changed the game. Nope. Didn't change field position. Wasn't a turnover. So, that lets you know that he's trying to do what's best at Absolutely. that time. And the sack didn't affect him mentally. Nope. Right? He just kept coming back, kept coming back. Uh, that's what I'm most impressed with is his resiliency. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very hard for a, for a young quarterback. I mean, to go into Arrowhead down 21-3, to <laughs> I mean, come on. Are you serious? Man, that's awesome. Uh, you know, man. it is awesome. Yeah. And, and and he did some of that with his legs, too. Mm-hmm. And he's not known as a burner. No. But that that just shows you you don't have to run a 4-5 to make plays with your feet. You make mm-hmm. plays as a quarterback when it's called to make a play with your feet. If you're looking to make plays with your feet Dude. as a quarterback, you're going to be in the ambulance. That's true. You're going to be in the ambulance. If points, you, <laughs> you hit his Jeezy. You're making them points <laughs> and right there. And, and your career is going to be short. Yeah. That's not what you, you know, that's not what you're paid to do. Um, so I'm really impressed with his resiliency and just his level of – I was also impressed with after the game, I, I, I expected actually more excitement from yeah. him and his team. And it's like, no, this is – we expected this. This is what we're doing. That's true. I didn't even I, think like about if it you, that way. If you watch the interviews on yeah, the field. He's cool. Cool. They're not jumping up and down, going crazy, nothing. Yeah. Well, the job isn't over. He understands that. Right. And so that, that's a level of maturity I think that's unique. And they they started that mantra after winning the division. That was their thing was like, this is nice, but we expect more than this. It's supposed to be here. Yeah, so it's good. So it's good to establish that early. Uh, And then Matthew Stafford, um, certainly worth what they gave up for him at this point. I know there were some rocky points this season, but uh, really impressive in the postseason. Your thoughts on Stafford? Well, uh, let's go back to the Tampa Bay game. To do what he did in those 40 seconds was so hard people have no idea Atlanta Falcons couldn't do it right and so it's 27 to 3 you've got all the momentum you're in Tampa the greatest quarterback to ever play they're winning that game Mm -hmm. and if actually if he doesn't do that with that drive and it goes into overtime they don't win they don't they do not win and so for him to be able to say okay 27 27 we've got 40 seconds and to make a couple of those throws that he made and even, like, the call by Todd Bowles to be cover zero, that's the right call defensively. It really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he stepped up, put his foot in the ground, let that sucker fly, <laughs> you know, and there it is. And so, I, you know, little things like that I catch on to that we don't sometimes give enough credit for and actually truly, you know, admire the competitive nature and desire in that moment and how hard that is. I mean, that is – Human nature would just tell you, I right, get patted on the back. You played hard. You had yep. a great year. 
he didn't. He made a choice to go, no, we're going to go win this game, even with all this that's against us. And their home, on their home field against the greatest of all time, I thought that was absolutely remarkable. Who gets the win? Who gets the win? Have you got a prediction yet? Well, I, I think I think that um, – if the Rams let those boys <laughs> hang around into the fourth quarter, it's going to be bad for them. I'm telling right, you, man. It, it gets a little nerve wracking, yeah. right? Um, so I think I think the Rams really need to focus on getting off to a great start, uh, really putting the pressure on them. Uh, because if it's close and they're able to make some plays moving in that fourth quarter and gain a little momentum, it can change real fast. Uh, yeah. it, it's it's a Super Bowl crowd. It's not a, a Rams crowd. It's That's a corporate true. crowd. It's, That's true. You know, all these different things that the Super Bowl provides. Yeah, they're going to root for the underdog. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> That's how it happens. It's like at March Madness when the teams that are waiting for their game to start, they want the underdog. So, yeah, all of a sudden, man. the crowd turns in favor of those guys. So, that, that could happen there. I will say this. Having talked to Cincinnati folks before that Kansas City game, their thought was, let's just make it a game in the fourth <laughs> quarter because who's the expectations going to be on? It's not going to be on us. Yeah, it's going right. to be on them, and I guarantee you that that'll be the way that yeah. they approach this game as well. Absolutely. All right, Chad. You, you good, Jim? You good? I, I'm not good. Here's why I'm not good. <laughs> so I covered the Giants from 2004 to 2012. He goes so I was right in the into same something. market as, as Chad, and I didn't get to cover the Jets. And I'm telling you, having this conversation, I mean, I watched them from afar, and I knew them from yeah. afar. I I wish I would I wish I would have covered. I would have been his locker every day. Which at some point yeah, he would have said, "Get combos. out of here, guy." But you know, <laughs> that's some good conversations, man. It's yeah. Good. Let me tell you, Jesus is one of the all-time greats, man. I mean, he really watches the tape. I mean, he calls me during the week. Hey, Mike, Bob, turn the play such and such on this second quarter. Who? What the hell is he looking at right here? I mean, he he, he actually watches the tape. That's so, Chad, time. thank you for stopping by. That'll do it for this week's episode of Total Access to Locker Room. For more insight with the locker room point of view, check out the latest episodes on Apple and Spotify. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.